You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Thank You for Your Servers, a show which looks at the tech news of today, but from a libertarian perspective. Now here are your hosts, Thaddeus and Gary. Thank you for logging into Thank You for Your Servers. I'm Thaddeus Preston, joined once again with my friend. I hope I hope you're my friend. If not, then just some guy I do a podcast with, Gary Guthrie. How you doing, bro? <laughs> I'm doing good, my friend. <laughs> yes, yes. This is our weekly look at the tech topics from a relatively liberty perspective. This and other podcasts are brought to you by the Make Liberty Great Again network of podcasts. Welcoming... Back to the fray, our newest podcast that just got added to the network, Lesbertarian, The Lesbertarian with Kim Shang. Welcome back to the fray, homegirl. And yeah, you guys check that out. That is also now on the MLGA network. Uh, She was a flagship member, went away for a while, did politics, we don't know why, and then came back. And we're glad to have her back into the family. And so yeah, check out the Lesbertarian podcast with our girl Kim. So, with no further ado, let's get into these subject matter uh, of the week, or the last couple of weeks, really, as as we're recording, is Supreme Court hands victory to yes. a blind man. Oh, yeah, yeah. This one really got me uh, kind of, I, I don't know, interested, intrigued, and angry, and then satisfied all at the same time. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, a real interesting story. So I guess uh, three years ago, this guy, uh, Guillermo Robles, a blind man, sued Domino's Pizza because he was unable to order a pizza on their website. Let's let's, let's, them, let's, let's, let's put aside the fact that Domino's Pizza is gross, but um, that's, that's, that's just my opinion. I'm sorry. You may continue. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. So he sued him for a million dollars or something like that. And over the past three years, Domino's has been fighting this lawsuit all the way to the Supreme Court, which on uh, October 7th, a couple weeks ago, declined to hear arguments on this. So what this basically did, they threw it back to the Ninth District Court and said, sorry, Domino's, you're on your own. Good luck. Right. So what is the you know, what is the take on the, or what is the uh, outcome of this for companies that run websites where you can order food? This is bad, right? Always. I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the uh, Supreme court refusing to hear arguments on this particular case is actually a good thing for businesses and for Liberty in general. This is my take. I am intrigued. You may proceed. <laughs> so let's let's uh, first of all get past the headlines because headlines are always, um, you know, they're 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 there to do one thing, and that's basically sell advertising, right? So first of all, let's let's look back at the uh, origins of this lawsuit and get a little bit of history and context around how the Americans with Disabilities Act is being used to um to sue companies with websites 
over discrimination on basis of disability. Okay, so first of all, the Americans with Disabilities Act was uh, signed into law in uh, the middle of uh, 1990 by George Bush Sr., correct? So if you think back, we had no internet, we had no e-commerce at that time. The Americans with Disabilities Act was written specifically for essentially physical access to facilities and services, okay? So uh, Title I, uh, employers can't discriminate. Title II, the government can't discriminate. Title III, physical businesses cannot discriminate. Title IV, telecommunications companies cannot discriminate. And Title V is kind of a miscellaneous um, thing. These lawsuits have been going on forever. I mean, I think the first one was um, in 1995 when uh, somebody sued over uh, the ability to, you know, some business um, didn't have a ramp to get into their store or something. Okay. So the America, the ADA has been used by lawyers to just go get money. So, and, uh, believe me for, I don't believe for a minute that a blind person brought this lawsuit to Domino's. This was brought by a lawyer who discovered that their website was not compliant and then connected the dots with a blind person who claims they weren't able to do it. That's and my if, take. I yeah. don't know if that's true. but and, and if you kind of do some background on really like the advocacy group that was with that, I guess, I don't know if they were one of the, the plaintiffs and stuff like that, usable, do, usable net, um, you know, uh, they've this this advocacy group has been kind of like looking into this stuff for the past uh, it looks like for a long time. Uh, in 2017, there were 814 of these cases. And this year, uh, last year, there were 2,285 of these cases. It's crazy. Um, and so um, they're not to be cynical about this. I understand the, the crux of what they tr are trying to do. Right. Um, you know, uh, web accessibility has been a, a chief concern, particularly with the W3C consortium for well over a decade. And you yeah. know, there are actually standards out there for how to make your site more accessible and stuff like that. So but they use the ADA as this kind of bludgeon. Um, and this, I mean, it's kind of hard not to look at it as a, tr a trial lawyer money grab. Um, oh, it's, it totally is. Even 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 if is. like the, the the ultimate goal is good. So, I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a money grab and it's definitely, you know, opportunistic lawyering, if you want to call it that. But um, and, and these website lawsuits are not new. I mean, this lawsuit was uh, started three years ago and there is legal precedence already for uh, this type of lawsuit. I mean, Joanne Fabric was sued. Target was sued. Yes. Um, over the same types of things. And uh, what does it basically come down? So what are these lawsuits? How are they suing a company that their website is not accessible um, when the Americans with Disabilities Act doesn't mention the Internet or e-commerce or anything in it whatsoever? Okay. And what it basically boils down to, and it's in these, these articles, but um, it's a point that most people gloss over, is that um, you can only bring this lawsuit to uh, you you can only sue a company over their website accessibility 
if they have, quote, you know, significant nexus, in other words, a physical location where uh, you can actually enjoy the goods and services of that company. So Domino's Pizza, of course, has physical stores. Um, they also have a website that um, where you can order goods and services you can get at those stores. And therefore, the Americans with Disabilities Act sees the website as an extension of the physical location, right? The interesting thing about that, of course, is you've got sites like Wish.com or uh, uh, any of these other direct-from-China ordering sites that do not have to comply with accessibility standards of any sort because they have no physical presence to speak of. Um, Amazon may be a very interesting one because they do have physical facilities for pickup and uh, returns of items, but those aren't really facilities where you can actually they purchase. Are, they are significant nexuses for which one can purchase a good. It is a, it's strictly part of their logistical footprint. Um, I would that that's my take on it. Um, I'm sure there's a lawyer out there that's you know going back to our our targeting of the big boys thing, right? Um, Someone's looking into that, I'm sure. Um, But anyway, back to this story here. So there's already legal precedents. Basically, if you have physical presence and you have a website, your website must be accessible. This is not the point that, um, that Domino's was arguing. This was not their defense, okay? That defense has been... It trashed a long time ago. You, you can't do that. Their argument was, and uh, a little bit of, more of historical context on this, under the Obama administration, the Department of Justice, who is responsible for enforcing the Americans with Disabilities Act, right? They were working on incorporating the standards to which you spoke of earlier, the W3 Consortium Standards, right? WCAG 2.0 at the time. Yes. Uh, which is now WCAG 2.1. Yes. Now, they under Obama, they were working on coming up with a, and I don't know how they would mandate it or whatever, but basically these are the standards that you must comply with in order to be uh, compliant on your websites for accessibility. And these standards, if you read through them, are insane in a lot of places. You know, some of them are good. You know, you have to have it properly tagged for screen readers to be able to understand the site. I get that. Yeah, that's that's fine. And these are standards that any reasonable company should be following. But there are other standards, such as if you have a video on your site with an audio track, you must provide an alternate audio track that describes what you are seeing in the video. Wouldn't that be confusing? Okay. Well, it's an alternate audio track. Then the user can choose to switch between the two audio tracks to either hear the the audio from the actual content or the descriptive track to say, okay, what am I actually seeing on the... Does that also the, incorporate as the text of the actual video interspersed with the description of the video? Or is it well, just a I'm, separate track that is strictly a description of the video? It would be a separate track that's strictly a description of the video. Okay. Well, that's, so it, it, I, can, anyway, I can see it, that being technically possible, <laughs> but I can see that becoming very onerous after a while. Yes. 
And, and uh, honestly, I don't know that even if they came down and said these are the standards that you must incorporate, um, I believe there is some recourse under the, quote, reasonable accommodations verbiage where a company can go, come on, this is going to cost us twice as much to produce. This is not reasonable and probably winning on that point. But right. wasn't there some something that was originated in the House in 2017 that kind of sort of put some limits on the ability to for standing and stuff because it's that is yeah that that law was uh, HR 620 uh, it was introduced by the House in uh, 2017 passed by the House in February of 2018 uh, died in Congress on its way to the Senate the Senate never voted on it and okay. what that law would have basically done is put some common sense envelope around these, basically try to stem off most of these lawsuits by saying, okay, if you want to sue on the grounds of uh, discrimination of a disability, you must first confront, you know, allow confrontation of the accuser, right? The plaintiff has to submit in writing a complaint to the the defendant saying, I believe you're discriminating because of this. Correct. The defendant would then have 60 days to respond. Yes, we've received it. And then at that point would have another 120 days to address it. Or to show that they're reasonably trying to address it within that window. Correct. Um, However, as it stands, that bill did not pass. I uh, I wonder why. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah so anyway the the lawsuits can now continue to have free range and uh uh, immediate um immediate lawyer grab no that's what it is you know as cynical as that sounds that's that's what it is oh it's exactly what it is so anyway back to the obama administration um, where the Department of Justice was working on incorporating these standards and basically dictating them. Well, Trump came along and said, um, backburner that, we're not doing that. And uh, so as it stands right now, we have never had in place any standards dictated by the Department of Justice saying, this is the standard we're going to hold you to, right? This is exactly the thing that Domino's was using as their defense, Domino's was coming in saying, well, I don't know how anybody can look at us and say um, you're not compliant if they can't dictate any standards to which you can measure our compliance by. So basically what Domino's saying is because the Department of Justice hasn't implemented standards, you can't hold us to standards, right? Yes. And so this is their one defense that they're going off of. And the, the courts throughout have said, no, constitutionally, we have a responsibility to tell you what your responsibility is, not to dictate how you are going to do this. See, that seems to me backwards logic. You've, the legislative branch originated this and yes. basically said, do this, go forth, whatever. DOJ implement and or enforce courts interpret said law based on whatever, which, again, it's rich coming from I don't know if the Ninth Circuit made that. uh, I don't know, made that argument about constitutionality um, from the uh, circuit court that 
you know, kind of craps on the Constitution when it wants to. Um, mm-hmm. I I, I kind of get the dilemma that the company is in. I mean, they've basically said, like, um, we also remain steadfast in our belief in the need for a federal uh, in the need for federal standards for everyone to follow in making their websites and mobile apps accessible i.e they're mm-hmm. asking for regulation they're asking for and it's not it's not in a negative sense it's just like well what do you want us to do what do you want well, us to comply with they they're they want you're right they're asking for regulation they're asking the department of justice to say tell us exactly what we need to do and the courts have said no we have no such requirement to do that so they do, can do so it do it but we're not going to tell you how to do it. And so that leaves dominoes, shrugs, right? There's a standard out there to do it, right? But like like you were saying, a lot of it's pretty onerous. And so you're just like, well, wait a minute. Like from a – I understand from a standing – I mean, well, what do you want us exactly to do? It's kind of like our discussion with Facebook when Facebook was sitting there like asking for regulation because it – doesn't know what to do, right? It doesn't understand right. how to do. And the government, this is just the government doing this all the time. It's just like, you just have to do this. Okay. Right. What do you want us to do? <laughs> um, that's not our job. It kind of is. <laughs> so right. I, well, I, it, it, it does bring up some good, um, it, it brings up some good constitutional questions, which I am not, you know, I, I'm not up enough to really present any argument or opinion uh, one way or the other, whether they should or shouldn't be held to implementing standards or, or Un- forcing a standard down our throat. <laughs> what I, yeah. So what the reason why I believe that the uh, Supreme court declining to hear arguments on this is a good thing is because it leaves door open for reason. It leaves a door open for someone to look at each case on its individual merits and say, Okay, let's be reasonable. Yes. Within, you know, without even having standards saying, you know, this is how we're going to sterilize this and this is how we're going to ensure that companies pay millions of dollars above and beyond reason to bring things into compliance. We're going to judge things on their own merits and say, okay, in this case, was it reasonable to expect certain standards to be followed or is it unreasonable? Yeah, right. So I, I think, yeah, you're, so now that I'm kind of picking up what you're putting down, I mean, yeah, like, because we've we've had these overarching, sweeping Supreme Court decisions that have basically just crammed down something where from a, if we were to believe in decentralization and the federalism that exists based on our circuit court system and court systems and our law, our common law system, yeah, there should be cases brought on merit and then they should be decided on a case by case basis and also it should start to light a fire under the congress's you know backside about hey we should probably make some sort of amendment as much as i hate i don't hate the ADA because i hate those who are have disabilities i hate the ADA because if it's because of force um right. but but other than that i mean but at the very least like well, we, then let's make some sort of amendment to either Title Three or the miscellaneous title of the ADA that basically kind of steadfastly says it doesn't even have to be anything like arduous. It's just like compliance with WCAG 2.1 or some subset to be determined, whatever. I don't know. It's, you know, it, 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 I, I understand their fight and I actually hope 
I don't think they're going to really win the fight, but the but they're not fan, going to win it, right? But but at least someone should bring up the the point that like you just told us that we have to comply with this law. This law is not specific. Is not specific. There's not enough specificity in the law that as it currently exists for us to implement said whatever these standards are for websites and mobile applications. What are they? We have we know what we can implement basically on the you know from a worldwide web consortium point of view but what but that's different right because i think europe has its own standards so i mean which one do you want us to you know we, you know we feel that you need to come up with something that's more specified we don't think the ada is the law that, that should be used to enforce this either there needs to be a new law or there needs to be an amendment to the existing law you know that's god almost as old as some well, of it's my, 29 some of, years old. I yeah, mean, it, it's, right. it's, it's older it's, than some of my children. And so, yeah, <laughs> so um, it's outdated. I mean, I'm not going to say it's outdated in the spirit of the law. It's I get it, you know, and yes. we need we need to do certain things that are accommodating to other people. Um, it, but, you know, in my opinion, you know, let's leave that kind of open. Let's let's talk about what's reasonable and what's not and not try to sterilize this thing to a point of you know black and white because it never will be black and white right and to think that this won't permeate to all websites and mobile applications even if as the standard says it is there is a significant nexus between the website and the goods and services of the public accommodation i.e there is a physical location right like Right. A lot of a lot of people, a lot of places that have physical locations that are small mom and pop places don't even have websites. Like they use Facebook right. or Instagram or 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 some other mechanism. I mean, I or Google or Google Maps or whatever. Like I, when we were back home looking for the website for uh, the funeral home for my grandma, like they they didn't have a website presence. It was a Facebook page. And, um, well, and, and, let, so, and, so, and so what does that what does that do for I mean, Facebook can probably and most likely does implement most of this stuff because they're a large company. Right. But like, well, but 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 again, we're, we're not talking necessarily about, you know, the, the scope of this thing is still, you know, we, we have to be very careful about what the scope of this thing is, because I believe the scope of this is pertains specifically to the access to and enjoyment of goods and services. So in other words, a simple advertisement on Facebook or whatever, I don't think really qualifies under what the legal precedent is here. I think what we're talking about is if you have a form to fill out um, and this is a method of ordering your goods, okay, that has to be you know, reasonably accessible. But if you're just putting out an advertisement, I don't think that that's even what we're talking about here. But it's but if that company has a physical location, but no website, i.e., they're using the existing infrastructure in the form of the platforms that exist today and the form of Facebook, Instagram, there is a slippery slope fallacy. You may call it. There is a precedent for this. These things didn't exist. These lawsuits didn't exist up until like 10, 15 years ago, but now they're here. Sure. Okay. So this, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, if you if you put up a WordPress site, right, and put in a mark a uh, marketplace plugin, right. now you're going to be target. Now, okay, let's be realistic, though. If you're a mom and pop store down at the corner and you put up a website to order something, 
are you really going to be on the radar of these lawyers? Probably not. You probably won't you be. Know. And but you it, but I, here's a personal experience that isn't necessarily dealing with this particular issue, but it shows an overarching trend. I'm if if I've been very open about the fact that I've been trying to for the past year kind of get the arrange the financing and and bring pull together a team to build a microbrewery. One of the things that was brought to me with my meeting with the bank about two weeks ago was insurance. Okay, I need all kinds of different types of insurance, you know, liability, workman's comp, all this stuff. But there's also like a, 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 a type of insurance necessary against data breach. And it's just like, well, that's new. It's like, well, how could I? And then I thought about it. like, well, yeah, I guess if I'm taking payments and I'm using some of these payment processors, then, yeah, there is there is a possibility. If I don't have that insurance and I get large enough to be on the radar so that then I can be attacked from a data from a data breach perspective, even if ultimately because I am the vector for the system, because right? the payment processor is not going to. Is, is going to be pretty much covered, but I as a vector into the system will basically be like the vulnerable point that will allow such breach if I don't do certain things. I, I get I get hosed, right? Yeah. And, you know, I get sued. Yeah. And and I and I get like a federal agency up my backside. And so that's the, true. And so that say that said, like that wasn't an issue for mom and pop fifteen years ago or ten years ago. I mean, it's response. It's a it's a responsible thing to do now, right? But Again, I, I just see, even though the scope of this is very limited, and I understand the precedent that this will ultimately set, I just see yet another barrier to entry for anyone to do any sort of business in the Western world, and particularly in the well, United and States. It's, and it's an easily overlooked one, too. And it's a very I mean, overlooked one, because there's there are too many of these open-ended laws that will that that have layers upon layers of precedent and ruling that can come back to bite small business, medium-sized business, large businesses because of opportunistic trial lawyer money grabs that happen every generation with every new technology. And so, yeah. it, 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 but I get this, right? Like, I appreciate the fact now that you've explained it. Good. The Supreme Court did not cram this down. Um, then, you know, and, and no, no offense, this is, is, I mean, with the many monumentous things that it's looking into, this is, this is kind of silly. Um, it, it's it shouldn't, totally have, it, it shouldn't have gone that far. It shouldn't have gone that far. Um, the question is how reasonable were the requests and or demands of, uh, the defendant and, um, and you know, what was asked, um, and right. was that million dollars more than was the million dollars essentially, or and the, and the potential other lawsuits that could be brought as a as a result of this ruling or ultimate ruling that will probably happen that we both agree probably will happen. I mean, how cheap is it just to just upgrade the app and the uh, website versus you know whatever? But then I understand the dilemma. Like, well, what exactly would have made this better? for said plaintiff or said defendant. Well, and that's where I'm going with it. You know, it's like, okay, this is why, you know, HR two HR 620 would have been a fantastic thing. And this thing, this ruling, well, it was already in the works before um, HR 620 was introduced because it was right. three years ago. Right. But mm -hmm. um, this is the kind of thing that can be handled with a reasonable conversation. You know, it goes back to our, our cultural discussions, right? 
if my neighbor's dog is coming over and using my lawn as a bathroom all the time, am I going to immediately go call the cops or animal control or something? Or am I going to go have a conversation with my neighbor and say, hey, let's work through this. Maybe you're not even aware that your dog's doing this, you know? Yeah. But we don't do that now. And well, who knows? I mean, this guy, Guillermo, um, what was his name? Guillermo Robles, Robles, Robles. Robles. Yeah. Robles. I, I think he's just a pawn in this whole thing, honestly, because I mean, really, if I was a blind guy and I got on the website to order a pizza and I couldn't do it, what am I going to do? I'm going to make a phone call. Right? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to call Domino's and say, "Hey, I'd like to order a pizza." And and this wouldn't even be a thing. Yeah, well they need well they needed someone whoever brought the suit needed someone with standing. This individual had standing. And so Correct. Um and, and we are very litigious um when we don't get our way in in this in the way the society stands today. So Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's very very interesting, great great deep dive. I mean, and 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 a lot to think about. Um, it is a lot, and and I get where you're coming from. You know, with the, it, it's kind of catch twenty two. You know, uh, how can you hold me to a standard if you don't tell me what the standard is? But yeah. at the same time, I don't want you to dictate the standard to me. You know, right? How do you, <laughs> yeah. How do you negotiate that? I don't know. Hmm. Well, we shall see as it makes its way through. Uh, well, now I guess it's going to, I guess going to trial at the Ninth Circuit or, or wherever, the, whatever. Uh, I'm not, I mean, it'll it'll be fought out in court wherever it is. Wherever but, it uh, is, I guess. So, hmm. well, we'll 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 figure that out. I mean, I mean, a lot of people who do web development and and or, or, or small operations and stuff like that. This is yet more cruft that they got to deal with um, because, you know, inevitably now, you know, what these lawsuits essentially do is it's like, I, well, from a preemptive measure, have we done what we needed to do to be as compliant as possible with whatever standard comes along? And for right now, the best standard that exists is the uh, WCA G 2.1. And, uh, yeah. and, and, and of course, you know, you know, my, my big thing is, you know, there's machine learning and AI methods of automating this process so that you could just kind of just do it. Um, there, the there, there are companies. Yeah, there are companies that provide these services. I mean, there are three in particular that my company is currently looking at um, using. Um, Accessibi is one of them. Yeah. Um, what was another one that we were looking at, but we were decided anyway. These companies basically provide a plugin that you can use on your site that uses user input and then feeds that back to a an AI system. You know, back at headquarters. That analyzes it and says, and then comes forward and says, "Okay, this is what you guys need to do to um, be reasonably compliant." So there, there are products out there, and there are companies that are already kind of addressing this. Yeah, it it gives companies like Amama, and they're pretty reasonably priced, actually, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but this does give companies the ability to at least put something on there to say, "Look, we are in good faith." trying to work on this right you know yeah and this so. has been an issue throughout tech for a while about accessibility and i think you know tech has done has done more than most industries i feel to 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 look at these types of things and be like all right well we can build you know there's tons of accessibility features built into tons of mobile devices there are tons of websites that are already pretty compliant with the stuff 
Um, right. There's software that, you know, does this stuff, which is, you know, the whole crux of this lawsuit was the fact that the particular software that this gentleman was using wasn't able to read um, the site um, in question. And so um, so it's not like it's, it's not that there aren't market solutions out there. It's just there might be there's a little bit more on both the uh, the server side, the user side and like the app developer side that may that'll, that'll solve this without the need for, you know, lawfare. All right. <laughs> so uh, now on to our other deep dive um, uh, subject here, and that is Zuckerberg sort of sides with free speech. So uh, our Lord and our Lord and Savior Zuckerberg of Facebook of fame uh, came to Washington, D.C. on Thursday to lay down a speech basically saying Facebook is a champion of free speech and free expression and kind of laying down the gauntlet and saying like, all these cries for us to do more and be more and be the ultimate arbiter of what is truth and what is this and to ban certain politicians and to ban certain types of political speech and stuff like that. It's like, for lack of a better word, you know, what is the quote? He says, I'm here today because I believe we must continue to stand for free expression. And he gave this speech at Georgetown University in the belly of the beast that is Washington, D.C., and I've read most of the speech. I'm, you know, it's kind of, there's a lot of flowery crap. And it's basically Mr. Zuckerberg, Mr. Zuckerberg getting up there saying, defending his company in its record. Um, of course, those in the evangelical tech press were not impressed. Um, uh, there were two takes that I read that infuriated me more than they informed me. So I literally just had to go to the Washington Post text of the speech because their um, their 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 takes were one was slightly fair, one was completely unfair, and um, the one that was more fair came from Stephen Levy, who's much more is a sage from Wired that actually he, he didn't come across as as a complete you know as a complete a hole when he when he basically gave his take on um, Zuckerberg's kind of doubling down on free speech. The Facebook way. Now he did throw in a couple of digs about you know how this highly promote uh, uh, you know promoted speech um, was a defiant reply to critics of Facebook's destructive effects on global society. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, we're talking about you know he, yeah, manipulating voters, fomenting division, and aiding genocide. Again, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but if you read the speech, it was pretty milk toast. I mean, he's basically defending his company. He's like, look, we've done much more good than bad. And you kind of and you kind of see that he's just to you know, kind of bring in some historical context. Uh, the last time a CEO uh, of such a big, prominent tech company uh, had to deal with the ire of the state um, was in uh, Microsoft. And so I think lessons from the Microsoft experience have permeated Silicon Valley for a better part of 20 years. It's why you have such a huge tech presence in the regulatory halls of, of, of the state, right? I mean, it's why there are huge lobbying firms, advocacy groups, and offices in and around the Potomac, around D.C., is because a Silicon Valley turned a blind eye to Washington, D.C. for so long. And that came to bite Microsoft, and everyone noticed that. 
And so this is kind of Zuckerberg going to the heart of the beast and saying, look, man, you know, say what you will about us. We we have our faults. We've 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 done our best. We've hired people. We're using technology and stuff like that. But we're not that bad. We're not terrible, guys. Um, and I think that didn't necessarily satisfy most of the tech press. The most unhinged response was from this, well, there's this guy named Nom, what is it, Nom Cohen, who basically just, what was, the headline alone is like Zuckerberg's warp history lesson and, and the age of incoherence. Basically, he took one excerpt from the entire address and picked it, you know, did the literal web, literal internet thing and picked it apart because it, he was... Not exactly historically accurate. Uh, oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Fact and, check. And, and so that that is a that is a line of attack for why everything he says was terrible. Um, he also this this author also lamented that he met with President Trump in the White in the White House. Um, oh God forbid! And, that, and then shortly thereafter, cha- changes his internal rules to allow the Trump campaign to spread misinformation. That's a that's a opinion that is not fact that is you know that is um Man. that is and they causation. call they call us yeah they call yeah. us conspiracy theorists <laughs> yeah exactly right it's just like <laughs> so in a way maybe this author is right but here's the deal i we we made the comments in previous episodes about the fact that facebook twitter and big tech in general is being attacked from both its ideologically left and right flank yeah and they're, that, they're big yeah and, mm-hmm. and that they've been kowtowing to the left flank for so long that they have finally raised the ire of the right flank ideologically and so they've decided and they kind of i think zuckerberg is savvy enough to see the writing on the wall it's just like the left is completely unhinged and the right is in ascendancy at least populism is we best try to either play down the middle or lean back toward the power base now. The power base now in the executive branch is the Trump administration. And upsetting the Trump administration means that the Trump administration will be hell-bent, be it when they get to their second term or even if they don't get their second term of a DOJ attack. So maybe it's maybe it's best to make peace break bread with the right flank because right now the right flank is not the most immediate enemy and threat. You know, I'm seeing uh, not only this, I'm kind of seeing a general movement in a lot of areas doing the same thing. I mean, um, even within the Democratic Party, you got Tulsi Gabbard, who's, you know, I'm sure you saw her uh, return attacks against uh, Hillary Clinton, calling her the rot of the party. (laughs) It was it was it was glorious. It was was absolutely amazing. And, uh, you know, even. and I'm just going off of a couple things that I saw pop up on on Facebook, but um, CNN, the interview with uh, with Beto, Beta, Beta O'Rourke, Beta, Beta, <laughs> and uh, you know, basically CNN going, you realize that banning stuff and doing all this that you're talking about isn't going to work, right? And you know, he's playing the the standard talking points and stuff. But the amazing thing to me is we're seeing these kinds of pullbacks from the far left ideologies um, all over the place. Yes. And it's kind of, uh, 
it's kind of interesting. And as and as wonderful as this speech that Mr. Zuckerberg made uh, was, a kind of sort of a breath of fresh air, where they're saying like, "Look, man, we're not going to get in the business of banning certain political speech because it's inaccurate." I mean, it's politics. You know, they've implemented right. some other things where, like, if one wants to buy and or post political ads, then you need the identity of the person posting the ad and or group. And and they'll take the money regardless. Um, if that means that the evil Donald Trump is going to be propagating, you know, mad, like, you know, terrible, you know, uh, hyperbolic stuff, then I mean, you know, that's no different than now this posting crap on Facebook about, you know, taking certain things out of context. And like this, this happens all the time. This is political discourse. Well, I understand right. and I appreciate what he said as the head of the company. My personal experience, and we, you know, we, I kind of, I kind of chronicled it on our little internal Facebook group. My experience has been like, well, yeah, but you still have people in the in the apparatchiks within the company are still social justice leftists, and are willing to suppress speech even in private groups that it finds relatively offensive. Um, my personal experience has been posting something about. Um, not being very happy if I were, you know, Thaddeus in elementary school and a elementary school was offered free Chick-fil-A, but the school then turned it down because it might hurt some of the LGBT, you know, person, you know, personnel working for the school. That makes that makes young Thaddeus from elementary school who grew up on Chick-fil-A very unhappy. And it does not help. It, it basically helps build the case for Thaddeus's future bigotry against the LGBT community if I then couldn't get my Chick-fil-A. It was, I was saying it in jest, and I was kind of tongue-in-cheek about it. Um, but, but the, that but within the a, that, reality is that's what happens. I mean, they're, they're, they're teaching children both. Uh, they're, they're teaching them intolerance, and they're teaching them hate by just you know pull, putting together these, these crazy boycotts or whatever, you know, yeah. based on someone's, again, feelings, right? And, so, and, like, and here's the deal. The very fact that you can even do that type of boycott on these social media platforms is a positive thing. But yet they exactly. want, they, but they tilt, they want this. What it is, is there's an ideological, evangelical, ideological view that this worldview and the apparatus of Facebook should belong to this one ideological and social justice view and anything else is crazy. And if Mark Zuckerberg doesn't, doesn't understand that, then he's, he's incoherent in his, in his, in his uh, push for free expression. This is, this, this is, is unhinged. It's lunacy. It doesn't make any it, sense, but here's the deal. It doesn't matter what Mark Zuckerberg says the same thing. It doesn't matter what Jack Dorsey says. Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg can all be about free speech and free expression, but they've built a culture within their respective companies that that stuff still happens. Speech is still being suppressed, whether they like it or whether they're doing it or not. The other thing that I found very interesting about the speech is the fact that he Zuckerberg threw shade on his partners up the 101. This is like, hey, we tried to go into China, but... Yeah, they wanted too much concessions from us. Other companies may have basically sold their soul to the devil. We're talking to you, company that rhymes with Oogle. But the simple <laughs> fact of the matter is that we didn't do that. We're good. We're good. Now, actually, and it's it's kind of it's kind of beautiful how like he made this speech on the week following the NBA NBA dust up. 
um, that happened last week and or, or the week before last. And it's just like how and how the South Pork ex- episode came out about everybody selling their soul to, you know, to p- put themselves in the biggest, mar- biggest market in the world, consumer market in the world. And he's firing back to defend his company because it's like, hey, we've done these things. We were the site that he had that were the first hashtag for Black Lives Matter showed up. You know, you, we, we can't just say that one type of speech is allowed because it conforms to the ideological worldview that those who sit in the Silicon Valley bubble adhere to. And mm-hmm. I think and, and, and the reaction from everyone in the tech press just it, it just it just reaffirmed what I thought. It's like, yeah, the mask came off and like there's nothing he said in that speech that was that was that should have been controversial. Um, you know, he told stories like leftists do this all the time where, Hey, how are you going to pay for this terrible, terrible program? How are you going to pay for this program? This is, you know, well, I met this one person with one leg and blah, 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 blah. And they told me about this, that, and the other thing. He used the same tropes, right? When, when he's trying to push across the fact that Facebook as a whole has been good. We may need to deal with the societal consequences of a social network and, and how it, you know, warps our, our, our view of the world, how it creates bubbles, how it does whatever. But at the end of the day, just like Microsoft back in the day, as evil as you may think the CEO is, as evil as the company may be, as a whole, it has been a net good. And I, for one, am proud of the fact that he got up there for 40 minutes and said this. You know, he made it, he may have, you know... To, you know, tooted, you know, all the left wing talking points and the feel good stuff and the stories and, the, you know, and, and the anecdotes that make you feel whatever. But I mean, at the end of the day, the guy just built a company that built that has brought together two billion people to communicate. And if some of those people are using it to manipulate elections or votes or to foment hate or to post terrible things or to even organize genocide, that's not the platform's fault. What have we always said, Gary? Is the problem with technology? It's people. It's people. It's always it's people. It's culture. It, you people know. and culture. Yep. Um, and I'm glad he's standing up for that culture of free speech. And I, I and just to read those articles juxtaposed to like what he said, like actually read most of the text of what he said, and it's fairly benign. Um, it's just a guy defending his company from fair some fair attacks, but mostly unfair attacks. And I think it's just right. kind of compounded itself, even to the point where he's it's looking like the company as a whole may stop looking in, uh, for their talent in strictly Ivy League schools. Now, this has been a trend for many, many years. Google's been doing this, too, because what you end up getting is you end up getting these liberal bubbles from these very prestigious schools or schools with very you know, cultures of great engineering talent and stuff like that. And you're just getting a lot of social justice nonsense embedded into a company where these people are, they're smart, but they don't understand the world. They don't understand how I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, or how people live in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, or people who live in, you know, uh, Des Moines, Iowa, or people who live in... Well, they'll just come back to say, they'll just come back at you and say, well, there are more people in Los Angeles and New York, and therefore they matter more than you. Well, yeah, and that's always that was always the founding fathers' concerns as to why it's why we have again an electoral college. Yeah, it's why we have yeah. a rep- you know a, a, a republic. It's why we have um, you know represent representatives 
based on our very gerrymandered districts and stuff like that. It's because, like, my concerns need to be elevated to the highest levels of the state because, you know, only they don't no one in D.C., no bureaucrat in D.C., no one knows how I how I should. No one knows me. No one knows my mind. But maybe my representative knows my mind or the zeitgeist of my of my congressional district better. Um, and yeah, it's just this monolithic thought process. And I'm starting to see where maybe some of the tech companies, particularly Facebook, because Facebook has been t- taking the biggest beating. And the next story will will juxtapose will, will not even will, will illustrate that profusely. Um, I'm I'm happy that all right, Zuckerberg wants to recruit outside of Ivy League liberal bubble. Um, that's a little hyperbolic article. I don't think that's exactly what he was probably implying that. But makes sense, right? I mean, that leaked audio that came out that, you know, Zuckerberg is just like, yeah, if Elizabeth Warren wins, it's going to suck. Because it's true. It is. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it's, it's, ama- it's amazing how, how things are kind of coming. I, I don't want to say back to center necessarily, but we're, we're really kind of discovering that, you know, these pure ideologies and these pure uh, ways of looking at the world are not. Uh, compatible with the world yeah you know and we we have to temper that with with reason and uh, and we're seeing it and and that that gives me a breath of fresh air yeah no i think i think the 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 i think the reactionaries who who, um, are not the only people now reacting to the i mean let me put on my uh boomer conservative hat the rot of the culture. <laughs> the rot of the culture. <laughs> and actually, I think we can stop calling ourselves. Bo- I think boomers is just kind of like we're just we're just that Gen X. We're like the we're, you know the latchkey yeah. kids, the Gen X. The Gen Xers are becoming the new boomers because it's just like you young kids don't understand. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, just wait. <laughs> you'll yeah, see. You'll see. <laughs> All right, so uh, I guess the last topic here, again, dealing with Facebook, but something much broader, is Libra is dead, the, the cryptocurrency that Facebook had and, and a consortium of companies started, or I guess it was more stillborn. But I say long live Libra, right? Because the poor reputation of Facebook and um, the long-threatening arm of the state is what ultimately doomed the project from the start. And so... Why is this important, right? Because no one, it, everyone had skepticism of Libra. Um, I think we we discussed it briefly. Um, we, you know, we brought up the same concerns, um, particularly when it came to censorship and the and or the ability to use the network. But the way, if we, I think I I didn't read the whole white paper and the whole thing about the setting up of the Libra uh, consortium, so to speak. But they, yeah, like it's um, it it. I was liking it because it was going to be a competition in money, right? I mean, we that's that's what us, you know, liberty-minded folks love, right? We we love it. Well, the shoes started shoes started dropping here recently um when uh PayPal became like the first member to leave the Libra Association. Um and then subsequently thereafter eBay left uh the consortium. Um and and then eventually I eventually we they lost the kind of tacit support they had from Visa and MasterCard. Um, and so that basically kind of just, that that kind of torpedoes it as this kind of one, you know, global digital currency to rule them all. 
um, Facebook, you know, those um, those at Facebook um, who had these ambitions of being this new payment platform are probably disappointed. The crypto kitties out there who are all about Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash and stuff like that are probably quietly happy about this. However, they shouldn't be um, because he, here's the deal, right? Like, so um, I just pulled a quote from one of these articles here that kind of stuck out at me. Since announcing the project in June, Libra's leadership team has been bombarded with questions about capital buffers, anti-money laundering measures, and a biting report from the G7 that all that all but bans the launch of any stable coin until its backers can prove it. It, it is not a risk to the global financial system. These swirling questions about the project's legitimacy, specifically the very public stage on which they are taking place, have undoubtedly given those that were sitting on the fence a fair, uh, a, a fair old push. So basically, the G7 report breaks this out as like this. Until you can release cryptocurrency that can do all the things that our anointed currencies can do and our anointed financial systems can do like the one that is complete that is absolutely rich is the backer uh, the until the backers can provide that it is not at risk to the global financial system every currency that exists and every financial system that is regulated by these g7 nations is always a risk to the financial system because of how they built right. the financial system. You mean to tell me you want to build in capital buffers, anti-money laundering measures? What? Real currencies haven't really even done this. Right? I mean, I use real <laughs> with air quotes. Right. And so basically, I mean, from a liberty angle, I mean, can we ever get a stable coin to market with a powerful st- with powerful state actors creating barriers to entry? At this juncture, no. It doesn't look... No, you it, can't. It, you can't. Um, because... The only way you're going to do it is to is to uh, rebel. I mean, you're going to have to revolt and say, "Okay, you know what? We're introducing it no matter what, and um, deal with it." I think I, ho- I hope they do that. I absolutely hope they just just take the Uber route and ask for forgiveness and not permission. Right. And 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 I think there is an opportunity. I feel, and this is just this is just you know, um, this is just wishful thinking on my part. That maybe then Facebook re- reaches out to some of the other kind of cryptocurrency consortiums, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, XRP, i.e. Ripple. And they reach out to these consortiums and maybe form some sort of alliance. And maybe they just circumvent the state in general. Um, Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> um, yeah, right. I mean, it's because, look, the very nature of the cryptocurrency uh, as it exists automatically allows for capital buffers and anti-money laundering measures and and there's cryptography built into making it a very stable piece of um stable stable asset right uh there are things that exist there need to be unregulated markets that allow uh hedges hedging and stuff like that so that you can begin to stabilize the price of whatever stable coin one wants to introduce um libra could pivot and embrace more of the open source nature that exists um, in the other cryptocurrencies and maybe start embracing and building into the stack some of the things that make Bitcoin, Litecoin, 
Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum um, platforms. I don't know. That's just wishful thinking on my part. It, it just kind of it just kind of goes to show you, man. I mean, if it were, I think if it were anyone else but Facebook, this would have probably they could have they would have probably pushed full steam ahead. And um, yeah. Mark Zuckerberg is going to be up on Capitol Hill actually either later this month or next month again in front of a in front of the people who don't know a website from um, you know from a phone book and trying to explain to them what Libra was trying to achieve. Um, and I I don't mean to use that in in, in past tense right uh, as a, as if like we're crossing over the grave of Libra, but um, it's going to be slow. I hope they still release it next year. Um, I hope they reach out to other people in the crypto community and figure out how to make it better. Um, I hope they release something. Um, and I hope these payment process, because really, what it, really what it is, is these, it's a reputation thing for a lot of these, these you know, PayPal's and Ebay's and, um, and uh, MasterCard's and Visa's and stuff like that. Because it's not like they couldn't have built in or helped the currency built in with this consortium, all these things like capital buffers and anti-money laundering measures, because all these companies have implemented these things. It's not that they couldn't have done that. I think it's the long mm-hmm. arm of the state. And the fact that like it was a uh, imperfect messenger in the form of Facebook. If Facebook were to pull back on this maybe and like maybe do it in two years when their reputation isn't in the dirt, I think they could get away with it. I think of any, I think of PayPal would have done it. I think of if maybe Coinbase would maybe have done something like that, then there would have, or maybe even Gemini, right? Which is the uh, Winklevoss twins kind of um, foray into, into the cryptocurrencies market. I mean, I think if anyone else would have tried to do this and pushed forward with it and stuff like that, then there wouldn't have been nearly as much pushback. I mean, you would have still had the, you know, the uh, the, the kleptocracy that is the the governing class still push back against it and, you know, you know, all you know, use, you know, use the poor and, 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 and children as human shields and as to why we shouldn't launch this or do always, what is the, what is the one barrier they always, we need you to, we need to study this in more in depth before you just release it onto the market. And you need to make sure that these yeah. certain controls or conditions are in place before you release this. All of which oh, yeah. it's, it's software in, in a sense. These things are things that can easily be addressed it's the it's the mushy it's the mushiness of the fact that it's humans interacting with this technology that, that are that allow an end for politicians to be like well we need to think about you know this group or this gra- that or we need to put these type of controls and stuff like that when it's like someone needs to get up there in front of Congress and says you don't even have these type of controls on the existing fiat currencies that are in circulation today why do we have to come to market all of a sudden? with a far superior product. But here's the deal. Cryptocurrency is far superior to fiat currency in every way. It's just not perfect. And it's kind of like autonomous it's autonomous vehicles. It's already better than the best human driver, but it has to be perfect in order to come to market. And that's what the state always gets, gets wrong and always gets in the way of these advances and stuff like that. You will help the poor and you will help um, people more than... Um, than any law you put in place by virtue allowing this market to flourish and allowing this market to to exist and they do it with every technology and it's it's nerve-wracking did you read the other day that i posted something either on twitter or inside where like there's a california state representative that wants to mandate in every vehicle some sort of um 
breathalyzer thing so that you have to breathe into it before you can crank it and like making that like mandatory in all vehicles that are produced I've, and those sold in I've South heard, California. I've heard of those proposals. I mean, those proposals have been around for a while. I actually have a very uh, conservative friend who is very pro uh, this kind of thing. I'm like, really? You're down to that level of government control where you 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 absolutely can't trust a person to get into a car and drive. And now if I have a margarita with my, uh, you know, carne asada, I, I can't go dry, even though I'm well below the legal limit. I'm only, you know, it, right. it, it's stupid. It's stupid. And, and, and you know what would solve that problem? Autonomous vehicles. Just allow, allow those things to get on the road, but they have to be a hundred percent. They can't be, 99.9 they can't well, even that's have four where nines. that's where government either it, they're either it, they're either using that as an excuse because they want to maintain the power or they're legitimately just ridiculous in understanding that you can never get to a hundred percent you know you you can't get there it's not possible perfection is not even it, it's not doable period Right. Because there will always be a human element. There will always be an unpredictability, you know, yeah. piece yeah. to this equation. But um, I think it's more the uh, the former. They, they use it as a method of control rather than uh, the ostensible, the ostensive purpose of protecting society. That, yeah. that doesn't have anything to do with it they know you can't get to 100 percent. yeah they have this messianic quality about them that they think that it they, and, and 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 i see this in the tech press too because you know they're dancing on the grave of libra right now mm-hmm. um and, and it's just like you guys don't understand like this was going to be empowering um you know this was going to be this was this was going to be game changing this was going yeah. to allow people access to the financial system globally, not just here in the United States where you can, you know, where we have stable, relatively stable financial systems and mechanisms in place. This only, this only uh, buffers and or strengthens the capital markets here by allowing more participation into these capital markets that takes a lot of money out of the black, uh, out of the black market and the black economy. And and it, and it just, and it, it would have been, you know, would there be you know anti would there be money laundering and 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 terror financing and drug drug dealing and stuff? So, yeah, 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 that happens. But that happens with the existing yeah. financial system already, right? And that's and that's not a facetious argument. That's just the truth. But it is. But yeah, I, it's. I just feel bad, right? Because it's not that. You know, I don't like Facebook that much from a from um from a from their I guess corporate cultural perspective, but. Um, you know, but particularly from an ideological standpoint, I think my, my, my beef with Facebook is more ideological than it is with the company culture, right? Because I've, I've been to Facebook facilities, right? Um, they tr- truly just have a corporate ethos of just like, look, man, we just want to just, this is what we do, man. We bring people together, right? And if that means mm-hmm. occasionally we got some crazy people killing the Rohingya, organizing on Facebook to kill the Rohingya in, 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 in Bangladesh, and if that means that some idiot in, in Falls Church or Church, what, what was the name of that? What was that place in Australia where, or New Zealand? And yeah, whatever. Christ Church. Yeah, yeah Christ Church is going to stream the crap and kill everybody in front of If that means we have to deal with those little things, but the global broader perspective of what Facebook has allowed is 
is is has been amazing. It's been positive. Google is is has been a positive good. Microsoft has been a positive good. You know, Twitter. You know, despite it being a dumpster fire, I had a great time on Twitter yesterday because I'm you know I'm nursing a foot injury. These these companies are inherently good, and you can always go somewhere else, right? They're not monolithic, um, right? They won't, and they won't be big forever, right? That's that's a th- that's the thing. We, we we're sitting right now, and I have to tell my daughters this a lot of the times when they. They look at things and they and they and they they cite to kind of grok history. It's just like there was a time where IBM ruled, and they don't even know what IBM is now, right? There was a time I don't where even know what IBM is. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny what they are. <laughs> I, it's, I, I think they're more of an enterprise cloud service supercomputer. I, I don't know what they do, right? It's funny you don't, right? It's like there was a time where Walmart was just unstoppable. I mean, there was nothing that could stop Walmart. There's, there's a time where, you know, you know, Microsoft was just omnipresent, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you don't understand that this changes. There, yeah. there could, it could have easily been Friendster. It could have, it could have easily have been Friend, FriendFeed. It could have been MySpace. It could have been, you know, um, there were a couple competitors to Twitter in the early days. Um, it could have been either of those guys and and like that could change at a dime and i think zuckerberg is aware of this because in part of his speech he basically says like look man i want the company to be wrong longer than i am and like and that's a pride thing and i think you know facebook gets a really bad rap from the outside world because of from an ideological standpoint their culture has fomented this reactionary this this reactionary movement against them and I think they're going to try to address those things. I mean, we talked about it uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago about like Google purging a lot of the kind of hard ideologues from the company who were just basically just causing trouble um, and fomenting right. just so much discontent. And they weren't able to focus on their products and they forced a lot of those people out. You know, they might have a couple of labor lawsuits on their hands because of maybe how they did it. But they felt that that was necessary because, you know, the people who foment the walkouts, the people who who um, who who push LGBT like activism ahead of delivering good products and customer service, they had to get rid of. I mean, I, I don't I don't like the fact that people lose their jobs, but, you know, because you should be able to speak your mind at work. But at the end of the day, you're at work and right. you, you, you need to just be there at work. Well, and I think that, you know, we've talked about this before, too. You know, when you take on employment and you take on a contract, you give up some of your rights a lot of times as a condition of that contract. You know, you there is no professional athlete in the NFL who can go out and just speak their mind on TV because their contract forbids it, mm-hmm. you know? Same thing with the whole NBA thing, right? I mean... Everyone jumped on LeBron, but LeBron can't, you know. Le- There's very little he can do. Very little he can. I mean, he could have said more than what he said. He could have not been, you know, you know, for lack of a better word, a punk. But, I mean, it, it is what it is, right? I mean, he's, you know, in in his jumbled, you know, response and stuff, he is kind of right. I mean, there's financial and emotional and other things that come with just saying stuff. And, that, and, yep. and and as an ambassador of the game, you really can't say much. But at the end of the day, I mean, you're, you're the principal is what got people upset, right? But yeah. you, but but you know, the players can't say much about it. Did you see that report in uh, in the news? I, I just caught it this morning. There, this guy in Hong Kong's using a LeBron James mask to defeat. 
facial recognition yeah. systems. <laughs> that, is, that stuff that stuff brings a smile to my face. I don't really that even know what happy. the whole Hong Kong thing ha- is about. It's kind of like it's funny, right? Because it'll it'll fade from the news, right? Because the yellow vest thing is still going on in France every weekend. Um, there's a there was a protest in uh, Catalonia too this weekend as well. Um, you know, I mean, what allows those types of organized resistances to happen is Facebook. It's yep. social media. It's the mm-hmm. internet. It's the platforms that exist as they exist today. It's Twitter. It's it's all those things. And we throw the baby out with the bathwater if we um, if we think that uh, you know we can bend Facebook to our you know to our social justice will and not understand that hey maybe just maybe you know maybe Facebook isn't all that evil well maybe a little evil but I, I, I think they're all a little evil you think they're all that's a little fine. evil yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> so that brings us to the end of our program where I'm going to now give the cryptocurrency minute brought to you by Coinbase. Ah, yeah, yeah. Real men use Binance or something or whatever. <laughs> I, I don't know what the people. I don't know what the what the hardcore crypto people use anymore. Anyway, so coming in at number five is Litecoin. Litecoin is fifty four dollars and eighty one cents, up one point nine three percent. Next is Bitcoin Cash, slipping a little bit. I look. I, I noticed in the market capitalization. The real Bitcoin, as some would, some would, some would kind of say, I don't understand what that means anymore, but that is at $225.23. That's up 5.54%. Coming in at number three, XRP or Ripple at $0.29, cents, holding pretty stable, I might add. That is up slightly 0.95%. Ethereum at 175.35. That's up 1.84%. And the granddaddy of them all at number one, Bitcoin, $8,155, even up to 0.13%. See, Ripple has been very, very stable. That would be a stable coin to back. Or that would be a company that I would, if I were the Libra folks, I'd be approaching those guys, you know, Mm -hmm. um, along with like Litecoin or whatever, because, you know, those guys are building something pretty pretty awesome over there at xrp i mean they're kind of corporate i guess but like i don't know man there's just there's just tons of potential in crypto i'm still a bullish on crypto i still bullish on the blockchain i think it's it's a technology that will shape and and and, and form our future after the next financial crash but anyway that's how i digress here that is coinbase uh, that is the cryptocurrency minute brought to you by coinbase boo hiss <laughs> All right. Well, with that said, is there uh, anything else that uh, you would like to discuss or should we call it good? I think we should call it. I got a I got 10 gallons of a porter. I got a keg in a minute. So, oh, you lucky. Yeah, my foot has been so jacked up, man. I have not had the opportunity to go out and and, and brew. I need to brew my pumpkin spice. I need to brew with mm. my with with my Kavik yeast. Um, that I that I bought. I'm so anxious to get on that stuff. It's funny. It's been so long now. I've missed the opportunity to ferment to ferment it out in the garage because it's the thing about Kevik or Kevik yeast is it can ferment from 80 to like 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, oh. Yeah, no, no, with no no off flavors of fusels. Really, it's, it's what it's designed to do. It's what it's been bred and do. It's like a wild yeast that they that they've been using up in the um, Nordic regions, that's Scandinavia, Scandinavian regions of the world. It's been around oh. for hundreds of years, and apparently, I read about it like a month ago, and I was like sold, and so I bought some 
And so it's sitting in the fridge waiting for me to try. And apparently the other thing about it too is the because it it ferments so vigorously, its turnaround is two to three days. Wow. Yeah. Now, does gonna, that does it flock out quickly too? Yes. Or? Yes. Whoa. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Now I'm sold. <laughs> yes. It's it's Kevik. A Kevik. It's a K I V. I don't know. I, don't, I can't spell it. But um, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. I'll I'll I'll, I'll uh, send you some links offline or whatever stuff like that. It's real dope. I can't wait to do that with the last of the Neon the Mexicanus Hemis Pale uh, uh, Hemis hops that I have, which also and because that's another thing that's just I guess this Kevik is supposed to do is it imparts like this. Um, very fruity ester in flavor. And so that along with the Neon Mexicanus, which also kind of imparts kind of a pineapple, mango, kind of uh, guava-like kind of uh, sense, tropical, very tropical fruity flavor uh, for the for the hops. I'm going to do that with some juniper because I guess that's the traditional way to do these Nordic type beers is with juniper or juniper branches. And I'm going to see what I get. But I won't do that night right now. I'm behind schedule. I need to do my pumpkin spice next week. And so that's what I'll do. Excellent. All right, sir. That, hey, so thank you guys for logging into. Thank you for your servers. And, you know, you know, Brew, uh, Brew Liberty Weekly. And, um, and yeah, man, uh, I'm Thaddeus Preston, a.k.a. Nick Way. You can follow me at Nick Way at Twitter. And Gary, your plugs. At Liberty and Brews. I haven't been active on there much, but uh, it's there. So uh, feel free to follow. All right. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for logging in and thank you for your servers. We're out. Take care.